Gospel of Matthew chapter 9. If you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 9. And by the way, if you're here this morning, the, you were here yesterday and someone invited you, to, uh, you were at the Care and Share giveaway, you, you probably left this building with a whole bunch of things, uh, sacks of stuff, and we're so glad that you did, and we're glad that you're back here this morning. We want to give you one more thing. If you don't have a Bible, if you do not have a Bible, then you can catch me or one of the other pastors or really any of the people that you saw up here on the platform. We will get a Bible to you. We want you to have a Bible of your very own. You can bring it back here next Sunday, and, and, uh, but we want you to have a Bible. So if you have a Bible, Matthew chapter 9. In Matthew chapter 9, faith is on great display. Faith, F-A-I-T-H, faith is on tremendous display in Matthew chapter 9. Jesus was in his hometown. Verse 2 says this, some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, there's that word, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. So I want you to imagine for a moment here this scene. It's not hard to imagine. You have a good imagination. Here's this man. He is, he is paralyzed. Uh, we don't know how it happened, whether it was through injury or illness. Maybe it was from birth. We don't know how long or how extreme, but it says that he was a paralyzed man. This paralysis had affected his body. We, again, don't know the origins, but this was his reality. He could not move. That's why he's on a mat. He's being carried. The people who had carried him there, we, we assume that they were his friends. Uh, we assume that they knew him. He would not have been able to be there without his friends, and those people had faith. In fact, it says here that Jesus saw their faith. Jesus saw, he observed. Now, Jesus was, had the ability, of course, and you will see this throughout the Gospels, Jesus had the ability to know what was on people's hearts. He knew what they were thinking. He knew uh, what was troubling them. He knew their background. Jesus knew people's hearts. And he knew that these people had faith. Now let me explain faith for just a moment, stepping away for a moment from the story. By faith, it, I mean they believed in Jesus. They believed not in him not only as a person. Maybe word had gotten to him that, that uh, uh, to some of these people, oh yeah, Jesus grew up here. This was his hometown. They undoubtedly knew some of his family. Uh, but they, they believed in him not simply as a person who grew up locally, but they believed that he had power. They believed in him for something beyond the normal, beyond the natural. Maybe they knew that uh, some of them knew that this was Joseph's son. Joseph was Jesus' earthly father. He'd been a carpenter, someone who manufactured things either out of wood or out of stone. That's a carpenter did both back then. And, and, and maybe they knew him, but, but that would be a natural thing. They, they, these people believe that Jesus could do something supernaturally, 
something beyond the normal. It says they had faith in him, he, or rather he saw their faith. They, they didn't just hope that he could do something. Their belief had been put into action. They believed in Jesus so much that they went and got their friend, and they, they I, I always think, well, the Bible doesn't say how many there were. I always think that there were four because that's how I saw it on a flannel graph when I was a kid. How many here know what a flannel graph is? It's like a little picture that you saw in Sunday school. So there was always four. I don't know if there were four, but there's, there's, there's a number of people who are here and they had faith so much in Jesus that they went and got their friend and brought him. They put their belief in Jesus into tangible physical action. Again, it says here that, you see it, Jesus saw their faith. He saw their faith and he said to the paralyzed man, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, the, the, the paralyzed man and his, and his friends, however many there were of them, probably thought that his greatest need was physical. I mean, you, you would assume that, right? When you see someone on a, on a pallet, on a mat, being carried by a number of other people, you, you automatically come to the conclusion very quickly that the guy's big problem is paralysis, that he's been injured or diseased or he was born this way. You, 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 you think the physical, and that would be an understandable thing and we would do that. If you were in this scene and you were a townsperson, you saw them, you would say, the man's biggest problem is, is physical. But Jesus knew that his greater need was spiritual. Please notice that. Jesus understood that there was something deeper than the, deeper than the physical paralysis, but there was something on the inside of him, on the eternal part of him. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm as guilty as anyone else, maybe in some cases more guilty of looking at someone and coming very quickly to the conclusion that their biggest need is, and then we, we fill in the blank. You know, it's, it's easy to look at someone and say, well, they, they, uh, they have this physical issue and so that's their biggest problem. Or you become aware of someone who just lost their job or who went bankrupt for one reason or another, and, and you hear about it, and you would, you would think, well, obviously their biggest problem is, is financial. Or you hear of somebody who, who lost a loved one, and, and, and you, you come very quickly to the conclusion that their biggest need, their biggest hurt is that, that loss, that grief that they're dealing with. And those are all very, very real things. I don't diminish them, and yet we sometimes fail to look beyond the physical, the natural, and we see the supernatural, the, the condition of their heart. Remember, Jesus knew people's hearts. He knew that these people had faith, but he also knew that this man had a deeper need than his physical. He, he went to the spiritual, and so he told him, he said, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. The man didn't come because he had a sin issue, at least in his mind, in his mind, he had a paralysis thing, something in his body. But Jesus went deeper. Jesus went deeper. And Jesus forgave the man's sins. Listen, I, I, I thank God for his power. Like many of you, I have experienced his 
physical healing, what he's done in my body. I've seen Jesus Christ work powerfully in, in my, my finances, in my relations, in every part of my emotions. He, he's done all of that. But let me tell you, the greatest thing that Jesus has ever done in me, and I believe the greatest thing that he has either ever done or can do in you, is not in the normal, is not in the natural, but it's in the supernatural. It's in that part of you that's going to live forever. And Jesus goes to that, and he says, your sins, your sins are forgiven. Now, other people were listening, uh, obviously other people in the community. By the way, this is the same story uh, in, in Mark's gospel. In Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 2, uh, this is the same guy who was, who was uh, there was such a crowd around Jesus that the friends had to go to the top, and they opened up an opening in the ceiling, and they lowered the man down. It's the same, this, is, this is the same event. Matthew just doesn't record the, the uh, tearing off the roof part. It's the, same, it's the same occasion. So we know that others were around Jesus. A lot of people were listening, and, and it, in verses 3, 4, and 5, excuse me, yeah, verses 3, 4, and 5, Jesus spoke to them. Now, this morning, I'm not going to talk about them. That could even be a, just an entirely different message. But for a few moments there in verses 3, 4, and 5, Jesus turns his attention from the man who was paralyzed and who had just had his sins forgiven to the people that were listening. But in verse 6, in verse 6, Jesus then, having addressed the deeper part of him, turns back to the man and he addresses the physical needs of the person. It re- verse 6 reads this way, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, get up and take your mat and go home. <laughs> You know, that's not, there's not a lot of nuance there, is it? That's pretty clear. Basically, three things. Get up. The mat that you were carried in on, you're going to carry out. And go home. Get up. Take up your mat. Go home. And then verse 7 says that the man did precisely as instructed. Then the man got up and went home. (laughs) And it's implied that he's carrying his mat with him. I'm sure he was. It says he got up. Now, again, it's very easy just to look at this and, and, and fast forward to the rest of the story, or rather to the next story. But but I want you to see that. I want you to see that word he got up. It's very important. He got up. Now remember, as I mentioned a moment ago, we don't know how long the man was paralyzed. It could have been months, it could have been years, it could have been a lifetime. But when he heard Jesus, not only he's experienced something on the inside, he feels differently on the inside because his sins are forgiven. Do you remember when your sins were forgiven and how good you felt? That you knew that that was no longer held against you. Man, that's a powerful feeling to know that your sins are forgiven. All that stuff that I did. I can't forget a lot of it. Uh, uh, I can't forget, uh, but, but, but I know that it's no longer held against me. Hallelujah. So he, he feels differently on the inside, but now all of a sudden something has happened in his body and he got up. Now, he could have stayed laying down because this is new. So, well, why would he do that? Well, I, I, I guess he could have done it because I've seen that happen today. 
I've seen people that Jesus transforms, but they, they, they fail to actually get up and operate in what Jesus has done in them. In other words, they're set free from something, but just a short time afterwards, they, they either, they, 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 maybe they're, they're so connected to it that they want to stay in it, and they stay in that place. It says here that the man got up. It was, a, it was a miracle not only in his body, but I think in his mind. He realized, I have the ability now, the God-given ability, the Jesus-given. I don't know if he knew that Jesus was God yet, but, but he knew that he had the Jesus-given ability to get up. And so it says he got up. Don't minimize that. He got up. In other words, he believed also in Jesus, and in faith he did what Jesus called him to do. He got up. And then he went home. Now, again, very easy to read and just fast forward, but, but think about this for a moment. If Jesus powerfully transformed your life, put yourself in this man's position, I think it would be easier, at least as I look at this, it would be easier to follow Jesus rather than go home. I mean, this is the person. This is the person who just healed me. I want to be his follower. I want to, I want to follow him around. And, and look at it from Jesus' standpoint. He's, he has other communities to go to. Uh, uh, he, he could have brought this guy along and said, look, see this guy holding the pallet? That pallet used to hold him. And people would go, wow, what power. That's not what he did. It says that Jesus said, go home, and the man went home. He was obedient to God. You know, his faith, this man's faith, was demonstrated in he and his friends came to Jesus but his faith was also demonstrated when Jesus said, get up, and he got up. And when Jesus said, go home, and he went home. His faith was demonstrated in his obedience. He did it as Jesus had instructed when he got up and went. Short time later, first part of verse 9 says this. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Let me explain. This is, uh, is, is right in sequence. This is early in Jesus' ministry. He's calling his disciples. And, and, and it seems to happen just shortly after the events of the previous verse. Jesus went from there. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Now, tax collectors back then were... were were infamously crooked. These people were corrupt. And they were almost universally hated by the general population of the country at that time. Tax collectors were viewed as, correctly so, as lackeys or collaborators of the occupying Roman government. Roman government would employ people of that nation to collect taxes, and those tax collectors could put on a surcharge, a considerable surcharge, and they would line their pockets. So they, consequently, uh, tax collectors were very wealthy people, but they were ostracized people. They were hated people. That's why you'll often see, um, it says, the, the tax collectors and sinners, because the tax collectors would hang around other people, fringe people of society, because those are the only people that, that would have anything to do with them. And so Jesus comes to this man named Matthew, and verse 9 continues, and Jesus said, follow me, 
And Matthew, it says, got up and followed him. Notice that word. There it is, that two-word phrase again, got up. We saw it just a few verses before, back in verse 7, but now a different place, a different situation, a different scenario, but now you have another person getting up. Second time in just a few verses where Jesus told someone to get up, and they got up. Now, for Matthew, getting up took faith. Again, picture this scene. Here's Matthew. He's at his tax booth. He's pulling it in. He's saying, all right, next, you know, next and next. And he's, he's pulling in the money and he's putting it in a basket underneath. Maybe he's got a couple of thugs there to, you know, protection or something like that. You know, bouncers, if you will. <laughs> Security. Life is, in one sense, pretty good because he's, he's got this thing going. But this person who he's who he's never met before, he may have heard about him, but this person that he's never met before comes before him and speaks with such a power, such a, an anointing, we call it, such an anointing that he says, follow me, and immediately it says, and he got up. Remember, got up is an action. He was sitting, but he got up, and he began to follow Jesus. Matthew got up and followed. It cost him when he got up. Because when he got up and began to follow Jesus, it cost him something. And by faith, he left his previous life and he began to follow Jesus in his new life. Got up means faith. When they got up, when he got up, it demonstrated his faith in Jesus. And he turned his back and he walked away from that. And he continued to follow Jesus. By the way, this is, this, is, this is the gospel of Matthew, right? It probably says that at the top of your Bibles. There on that page, this gospel of Matthew. Same guy. Same guy. Matthew is describing here his own journey. Matthew, years later, is describing his own journey with Christ, his own calling by the Lord Jesus Christ all those years before. By the time that he wrote this, by the way, by the time that Matthew wrote this, the Holy Spirit inspired him to write this, this is about 60 or 65 A.D., as close as we can determine. That means that when he writes this, when he, when he recounts how Jesus said, you know, come and follow me, when he said, follow me, uh, and he began following, it says, he had been doing this now for 35 years. That's faith. It's one thing to follow someone around for a day. It's one thing to follow someone around for a week or a month, but how about doing it for 35 years? Matthew got up, turned his back on his old life, and followed Jesus the rest of his life. By the way, we're going to meet Matthew someday. I look forward to it. So within a few verses of each other, another person's faith was demonstrated when he got up and followed. Unlike the other man who got up and went, here it says this man got up and followed. There's one more person that I want you to see. Same chapter, verse 18, tells us, a synagogue leader came and knelt before Jesus and he said, my daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her 
and she will live. It's easy to look at someone's words and overlook their pain. I just want to pause for a moment and, and look not just at the man's words, but the man's pain. The man's daughter has just died. You see it there. He came before Jesus and said, my daughter has just died. My daughter is just that. The grief, the grief that he was experiencing in that moment must have just been overwhelming. And we look at this sometimes with, you know, these lenses that think he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Jesus, my daughter has just died. But if you come and lay, you know, that we look at it in those terms, it's not like that. This is a man whose heart is broken. Some of you know that pain. Some of you know the pain of losing a child. And you, you can remember back at, at the, the, the piercing, overwhelming, crushing pain of when you received word. I have one daughter and I put myself, as I was studying this text, I put myself in this place and I thought, how would I feel if, if I just found out that my little girl died? I mean, this man's, this man's grieving beyond words. He comes to Jesus. And he said, come and put your hand on her and she will live. And don't overlook his pain, but don't overlook the man's faith. I mean, his daughter was gone. He said as much. He's acknowledging it. This is not a person in denial. But he also believed that one touch from Jesus would make her alive. Man, that is, that is class A faith. This is before Jesus died on the cross. Long before this was before Jesus rose from the dead. This is before Jesus declared himself to be the resurrection and the life. This man knew none of those things because all of those things were ahead of him. But he still believed. I mean, this is amazing faith. Now, verse 19 reads this way. Jesus got up and went with him. Jesus got up. Now again, use that wonderful imagination. At some point, obviously, Jesus was sitting down. He was sitting down. This man comes up to him. He falls at his feet. Jesus is sitting there. The man falls at his feet, and, and, he, and he said, My daughter has just died, but if you just come and lay a hand on her, she will live Jesus is looking at this guy. He's listening to this guy, and he's like, he's moved. He's moved by the man's faith. And Jesus, Jesus got up. Jesus got up. 
and he went with him. There's those words again, got up. Third time in just a few verses, but this time Jesus got up. Jesus in response to one person's amazing faith got up and made his way to the man's house. Listen, when you see one phrase repeated so many times in such a small area, you'd better pay attention. I believe with this, with this just very few verses, these, these few words, got up. I believe it's God wanting his followers throughout time, from that time to this time, I believe it's God wanting his followers to understand that faith and action are connected. That you cannot have faith with also, without also having corresponding action. That simply saying that you trust Jesus, that simply saying that you love Jesus means little unless you are willing to put some action to your statement to the point where you get up and do something about it. We live in a time, we live in a time in which it is still, I believe it's going to get harder, but we are still living in a time and in a place and in a culture where it's relatively easy to say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I am a Christian. It's not so easy for people. I was reading one of the newsletters of one of the missionaries that we support and, talk, and hearing about the persecution that is now coming back to China. Now when people are declaring themselves as followers of Jesus Christ, they're having their homes and their places of worship burned down. But we still live in a time and place where it's easy to say, I love Jesus, I love God, I'm a follower of Him, and yet it's one thing to say that, and it's an entirely different thing to stand up, get on our feet, and do something about it. I challenge you this morning. You say you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Glory to God, then we're in this together. But if you are truly a follower of Jesus Christ, it will be seen and demonstrated in your actions. It will mean that you get up and you turn away from some things in your life. It will mean that you get up and you do things that you never did before. But because now that you believe in Jesus and he has transformed you, now you do things, you do things differently. James chapter 2 verse 14 is a, is a powerful admonition to us. It says, what good... Is it if someone claims to have faith, claims, that's our mouth, what good is it if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? And I say, man, I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And if you ask me, I'll tell you, I'm with him. And you ask me, what is this thing about Jesus? I'll tell you about him. But not only do I want to say it, I also want to live it. I want us to live it. I want our lives to be such a, a demonstration of faith. The things that I do, the things that I say, the places I go, the things that I watch, 
Let's be inclusive here. The things that we do, the things that the, the places we go, the things that we watch, the things that we read, the things that we listen to, the conversations that we have, the things that we, we put on social media or read about in social media. I want it to be demonstrably different from people who do not have faith in Jesus Christ. It says that these people believed in such a degree, at least the first two, the first two, they believed and they got up. Jesus, seeing a person's faith, was overwhelmed and he got up and he went to the man's house. When we get up, when we get up, when we get up, when we move, when we trust in Jesus so much that other people wonder, when we believe in Jesus so much and we follow him to such a degree that other people laugh, when we follow Jesus with such a fervor that even other people will oppose us or attack us, when we believe for something that we've never before experienced and we act on that belief, that is when our faith in Christ is demonstrated in remarkable ways. We do something about it. And I, I received a phone call this, this last week and, 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 and a person was going through something and boy, we needed a miracle. We needed a miracle. And, and several people in this church agreed together in prayer. Agreed and, and, and glory to God, there's a miracle. He still works miracles. But people had to pray, and people had to trust God, and people had to do things that they never did before. But I believe that we still live, even though it's thousands of years later, we still live with the power of Jesus in us and around us. And if we trust Him, if we truly believe in Him, and we put our, our faith to action, we will see amazing things. Get up! That's what he said. He said Jesus said, get up. Oh, he didn't say it like that, but he said, get up. And the man got up. Jesus said, follow me. And the man got up. The man comes to him and says, just, I'll just one touch from you and she'll live again. And Jesus got up. It also says in James, I think it's chapter, I think it's chapter four or two, draw near to, two, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That's faith. You draw, you say, oh, I don't feel it. Well, you draw near to him and he will draw near to you. You get closer to him, he'll get closer to you. He'll even come to your very house. Now we have to finish this story, right? This last story. The grieving man whose daughter was dead believed in Jesus. He believed in Jesus. And again, Jesus got up, and that last verse that's on the screen says when he, and he they went, he went with them. And they came to the house. <laughs> I like this. Verse 25 says, Jesus went in and took the girl by the hand. <laughs> and what did she do? <laughs> she got up. <laughs> she got up. And a little girl who didn't know any of this was happening because she was dead, when Jesus 
took her by the hand. She didn't lay there and say, just a little while longer. I'm going to stay dead just a little while longer. The Bible says she got up. Believe in Jesus. I believe you do. You identify with him. Many of you do. Given your heart to him. Many of you, most of you have. But my prayer is for all of us, self included, oh Lord, may I not just say I'm your follower, but may I follow you. May I just may, may I more than more than just say I'm with you, that I walk with you. And the things that I do are different. The things that I do are different. When I came to know you, I began to do things differently. What I spend my money on is different because Jesus is in my life. The things I do with my time, may we say, Lord, it's different because of what you've done in my life. The people that I associate with, the people that I've said goodbye to, it happened because you're in my life and those people were messing me up. I'm done with them. I'm going to trust you, Lord. Maybe you're going to give me some new friends and he will. He will. But I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something. I'd like you to bow your heads with me, please. This morning, you may have a physical issue or a sin stronghold like that man who was carried in by his friends. And if that is you, then in a moment you're going to, so to speak, get up. Maybe, maybe he's calling you to, a, to something that you've never done before and he's saying, I want you to follow me into this. And, 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 or you're facing a major decision that's going to change your life. And, and, and like, like that man named Matthew, you're going to have to get up. And you're going to have to do something. You can't just say, all right, Lord, you'll, no, you're, going to have to, you're, going to have to, you're going to have to get up. And not just today in this service, but I mean in, in hours and days following, you're going to have to get up. Or, or, or some, something's dead in your life. Maybe there's something dead in your life. Or it's near dead and you need one touch from the Lord. And, and, and you're going to have to say, all right, Lord, uh, then I'm, I'm going I'm to trust you that you're going to come and you're going to come and you're, you're going to bring life to death. Some of you have been there recently and God has brought life into a death, and, but he needs to do it in, in, in you again or in others. This morning, I would like you, if, it all, if it, everyone that, that can stand, I want you to stand right now. Go ahead and stand. Just across this, go ahead and stand up. We're going we're gonna to sing a song. Um, Joni, would you lead us? We're going to sing Hosanna, and uh, uh, we're going to sing this through, and then I'm going to open up these altars in prayer. So I want you to get ready, all right? I want you to get ready, uh, and I'll give some directions, but let's, let's sing this through because I want the Lord to really do a work in our heart. This happens as we praise Him, and so would you do that right now? Just I draw your attention to the screen. Maybe you know the words, but let's sing this together, and then we're going to open up these altars.
some kind of a sin stronghold and you need to come and say Lord today it's going to be I'm going to step forward in faith if you've done it before but today you're going to step forward in faith and you're going to say today today it's broken today I'm forgiven today today, I'm no longer under the bondage of that It, 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 it may be that you're facing a big decision and you're going to step forward and you're going to say yes Lord today I'm with my feet I'm going to follow you and I'm going to step forward and then in the hours and in the days following I'm going to I'm going to continue to get up and follow you maybe something dead in your life and you're saying man it's dead it's dead it's dead but I'm going to trust you that if I step forward and 
and ask you for just one touch, you can make it alive. Are you ready? It's just our feet. It's an action. I'm going to pray. We're going to continue singing. When you're done praying, just come at these altars wherever you are. But do something. You got to move. You got to move. You can't do it and just say, I'm just going to pray. No, you're going to have to move. So that's you this morning. Lord Jesus, in these moments ahead, as we continue to worship you and praise you, I'm trusting you, Lord, not simply for breakthroughs, but for the beginning of obedience, the beginning of faith rising. It's just a small thing, but it's going to grow. The getting up is not going to be simply happening in the next few moments. It's going to be happening in the next few days, the next few weeks. We're going to see powerful things happen, and it's going to start today. Thank you, Lord. We look to you, and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You come. You come. Let's trust the Lord. Let's sing this together. Powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hosanna.